oh, I'm going to look up Pornhub. It's like, oh, Packy also shares this interest. Like, I should definitely talk to him about that. <laughs> yeah. How do you prevent stuff like that from happening? Happy Tuesday and welcome to Not Boring Founders. I'm your host, Packy McCormick. And Not Boring Founders is a podcast where we talk to the people who are building the future. Today, I'm joined by Samir Rahman, the co-founder and CEO of Heyday. I invested in Heyday out of the Not Boring Syndicate back when it was called Journal. What attracted me to Heyday, in addition to Samir and his co-founder, Sam, was this idea that there's so many note-taking apps out there for people who are really organized, who have a note-taking system, who do Zettelkasten and love their backlinks and look at their knowledge graph and their second brain. But for the 80% of us, very much like me, who are a lot more disorganized in the way that they organize information, what Heyday does is they take everything that you browse on the internet and they organize it for you into clean categories using AI. It's a way to stay organized without needing to try to stay organized, which is perfect for me. Samir joined me on the back of some exciting news. Heyday, right in the nick of time, right before the market turned south, raised a big round from Spark Capital and a host of great other investors. We'll talk about building great products, what it was like to raise the round, what they plan to do with the money, the current state of machine learning, some mere specialty, and much, much more. Before we get to the conversation, though, a quick word from the sponsor of all of season two of Not Boring Founders. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's FTX US. We're going to do this one in reverse today. Before I get to telling you about all the great things about FTX, how it's saving the crypto markets, I want to ask you to stop what you're doing, go to your app store of choice, search for the FTX app, download it, and enter the code not boring. Or you can just click in the link in the show notes and it'll do it all for you. When you trade using that code, more than $10 for the first time, you'll get a free coin using the FTX app. So what is the FTX app? A few years ago, Sam Bankman-Fried started FTX to build tools for professional crypto traders. It's worked exceedingly well. SBF is one of the youngest self-made billionaires in the world. FTX is valued at $32.5 billion in their most recent round. And SBF even recently made the Time 100 list. And that was before FTX added stock trading in the U.S., seemingly bailed out half of the crypto industry, is rumored to continue to buy and recently purchased Not Boring Capital portfolio company Embed. What FTX has built in just a few short years is astounding. It's one of the platforms most trusted by professional crypto traders, and now they're bringing that power to you and me, to regular traders like us with the FTX app. The FTX app is the most affordable way to buy crypto, NFTs, and even stocks, which you can trade alongside cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, Solana, Ethereum, and even Doge. FTX has the best liquidity, which is incredibly important in this market, and the cheapest fees in the industry for both sophisticated investors and for retail investors who just want a dollar cost average and buy crypto on schedule weekly, bi-weekly, or monthly. We're huge fans of FTX over here. I use the app personally. I actually, the last time that they paid me for the sponsorship, I just used the app to turn it into Ethereum, which we'll see if that's a good trade or not. But the experience itself was fast and easy. So try it for yourself. Go download the FTX app, enter the code NOTBORING, and start investing in crypto and stocks today. Thank you, FTX US, for sponsoring all of our conversations on season two of Not Boring Founders, including this one with Samir Rahman of Heyday. Samir, welcome to Not Boring Founders. 
Thank you, Patty. Great to be here. Been listening to a lot of the episodes, so it's fun to be here finally. You're one of the listeners. Well, it's it's great to have. We have some big big news to announce today that I will tease right now, but not give. I'm sure. going to ask you the first question that I always ask, which is what the world looks like in a decade if Heyday is wildly successful. Yeah, my goal really is to see a world where we're closer to like this Black Mirror episode. I don't know if you're familiar with this, where it's it sounds a little dystopian, but imagine the better version of this, where there's a guy who is able to like look back through his recorded interactions to find out that his wife is cheating on him. And uh, that's dystopian. But the cool part about that is that, hey, we can like literally review our memories and our knowledge maybe that's not 10 years out but somewhere along that line is what i will we're envisioning with heyday is to be like a lot of what gets lost in human productivity it's just like all this time recalling stuff not recalling the right thing at the right time and then missing out on our opportunity the thing that we would do with heyday is use ai to reduce the gap of what's missed because you know you're missing out on something an important conversation a thing that you read to two years ago, that actually would have been really useful now. And just being able to like be a memory assistant to help on the side of things where we waste a ton of time and allow humans to actually be more creative and use that stuff to create more stuff. I thought you were going to go with the Black Mare episode and I was wondering how you were going to do it. But my favorite is the one where they have the social score and everything. Oh my God. Great. That one's great too. That great, but like don't make, don't make that world happen. I, yeah, that, that one I'm not a fan of. I, I I do think that the interesting thing about the episode where, you know, that I was just talking about is that the technology itself doesn't feel as much of a dystopia. Because, like, he found out about something he probably shouldn't know about. <laughs> totally. And yeah. I was just listening to to the podcast between Lex Friedman and Robin Hanson over the weekend. I had a nice long drive and got to listen to the whole thing. And he was talking about this concept of, like, the emulated mind or the EM, where it's just, like, you can upload your whole person right. to the system and then... One of the effects of that is like he, he was bemoaning kind of the loss of his youth. And one of the effects of that is that you can like, because you mm -hmm. become a different person, you can upload yourself when you're 20, 25, 30, That's 35, really all of that. And so it's like, yeah, one of those things that could feel dystopian, but is also like kind of nice to preserve that like version of yourself right. that dies as you, that, as you get older. Yeah. I mean, a friend of mine once asked me a really interesting question, thought experiment. If you happen to, for one night, be able to spend time at a bar with versions of you 10 years spaced apart. And some of them are 10 years, like 10, 20 years younger than you. Some of them are 10, 20 years older than you. What are the things you'd want to talk about? Oh, wow. And so, but like your version of this kind of enables at least the one before you, or at least Lex Friedman's emulated mind, right? That's like, that's super cool to think about that. Like, hey, I can talk to the version of me 10 years younger than me now. Yeah, and I think the thing that, that Robin Hanson was, was talking about is a familiar one to me and something that I like about heyday is just like my memory is terrible and so like I, yeah. it's not just that like that person is no longer here I forget a lot of the things and a lot of what it felt like to be that person I think right. the idea of kind of just enhancing memory and, and productivity is is a really important one what does heyday do today what's the next few years look like for heyday yeah so we are very early in this crazy utopia slash dystopia that we're describing but today heyday is a primarily a Chrome extension and a set of integrations that captures most of your digital activity, like all the uh, articles you're reading, tweets you're reading, videos you're watching, the documents that you're editing on Google Docs, email conversations. And our goal is to automatically capture that without you doing anything and resurface it using AI at the right time 
So we're going to try to capture, understand like, hey, you're starting to look into DAOs again. Here's all the old stuff that you've read about. You're starting to research this topic heavily. Hey, it makes it really easy for you to curate all that stuff without you having to say it every single one and take individual actions. The AI kind of like notices like, hey, here's like a, an area that you're researching. Here's the 20 things you read in last week. Which ones do you want to curate? Make it super easy to build a knowledge base that we, we call that fills itself. And so the idea is to get that one step further to creating that memory knowledge base without you having to do much work yourself. What's your background? How'd you get to build this thing that will eventually <laughs> save our memory? So my background, there's two things that kind of go into it. I've been doing machine learning rare for like 11 years now. Worked at places like Amazon. You worked most recently before starting a few companies at a company called Mattermark, where I was head of machine learning. I met my co-founder, Sam, there actually. And so we've been working together for about seven years now across two different companies and, or three different companies, including Mattermark. And the other piece, I'm a knowledge productivity junkie, like a lot of us are, but I'm also like, I have my ADHD and I hate like organizing and also like being a machine learning person drawn to like automation-based solutions, assistive solutions, K-Day is sort of like a mix of all of those things. I love reading. I like read a lot, but I hate like Rome and Notion, not because they're bad products or great products, but like they are meant for people who love the organizing piece of things. And that's not me. And so we started hating with being like, well, what, what can we do with machine learning AI to like help the people who hate organizing, but still do a ton of research and reading. So someone who's been in machine learning AI for a while. What's it really good at right now? And what's it not good at yet that you thought it would be at this point when you started Ooh, doing it? That's a great question. So the thing that we do is make search for your content better. So we're indexing all this stuff from all these different places. But whenever you're looking for something, we appear alongside Google search results. But one of the things that we do really well is capture all these signals about how long you spent on a piece of content or like who sent it to you, how many places is it referenced? Also just like we use machine learning based indexing of content so that like, instead of it being just a keyword match, we're actually matching concepts. So it ends up being that our search is like so much better, even than like the places that the content originally lived in. So like our search for Slack messages is better than Slack. Our search for like Google Drive docs, crazily enough, is better than Google. For some reason, Google it's amazing at public web search, hasn't done that for Google Bots. So like, that's the piece that I think we knock out of the part. So a lot of the early success from Heyday is simply just like bringing back content alongside Google search results from a bunch of these places and your viewing history. The things that I wish we were further along in that we're making progress and I had hoped we'd be further along in is the kind of like auto categorization of topics, that knowledge base that builds itself thing. Basically, we want to be able to say like, hey, week to week, like what, what's the new area of like reading that you're doing? I ought to recognize that, build a bundle package for you and say like, hey, this is what you did last week. Just make it feel like we're constantly helping you remember the cool things that you've read or the interesting things that you might want to capture for later. That piece we've been kind of iterating for a long time. And I think finally are getting to a place where it's better than noise. <laughs> I think for a while, it felt like a lot more noise than useful. So now I think we're getting to the place where it's starting to feel like it's capturing more topics frequently in a way that seems like it's bringing up the topics that are most important that you're researching in the last week and then suggesting 
here's the eight things that you read and it feels more of a accurate experience rather than sometimes in the like couple months ago, it'd be like picking up words that really are a topic that is interesting to someone. You might've like gotten some of that experience when you were using it too. Hey, like, it seems like these are articles that I read that do relate to each other, but this is definitely not the topic that, right. that I'm interested in. So now it seems like things are kind of like moving in the direction that you want them moving in. AI is catching yeah. up to your imagination. You just raised a bunch of money to go build for the next year. Tell us about the round and then tell us what you're <laughs> doing with the money. I mean, like, could not be better timing. Huge congratulations to you for making it happen. Yeah, very excited. It kind of has that feeling of like, I feel very privileged and lucky. And has that feeling of when the hero in a movie uh, is running out of a building just as it's like blowing up and they just get up. Maybe you don't have like a scar on their leg or something, but like they're fine. So, you know, I hope for everyone else's sake that we have a quicker recovery to the economy. But for us, we're lucky enough to raise money for you know, over 30 months of our projected run rate. The round is led by Spark Capital and awesome. a bunch of other angels and folks like you that are going to be like super helpful. I've been thinking about this space and what we're trying to do right now, we I think over the past six months, we've pro proven early product market fit. We've got 200 plus paying users who converted from 2000-ish trials, haven't really done anything to like actually acquire these people. It's word of mouth and some articles written in Fast Company or like a product cut launch. And now we're like, okay, cool. We feel good about early product market fit. How do we actually scale the user base? And so over the next year or so, our goal is to build the, the scale growth engine for this and be able to bring in thousands of new paying users. At the same time, we think that a really cool version of Heyday, something that our users have been asking for is the hive mind concept. So right now, Heyday is single player mode. But in the future, what we want to do is be able to say like, if you're on a team with someone and you've all opted into being part of your hive mind. So Heyday today, if you're just searching for DAOs and you've never done research on DAOs before, it's not going to be helpful. It's like goal is to be in that. But what about if you've got a team of people who've all done research on different topics, and then we can tap into the collective memory of that hive mind. And so Packy, let's say you are part of a hive mind and you've done a bunch of research on DAOs and I started looking into DAOs. What I should see come up is a whole bunch of content that you've read that you think is useful, say, hey, Packy's done a bunch of research on DAO, and here's what he found. And the coolest thing about that is, one, you can like look, get up to speed on the topic much faster from a trusted resource like your team. But also, you can ambiently find out who on your team you should be talking to about something. Like, if, you know, I'm trying to dive into DAOs, and I might not know who on my team might actually know about it. And this is a little ambient signal for that. That's super cool. It's one of the questions that I was going to ask, I guess. The like design challenge there or how you build a challenge is let's say, you know, I'm on the team and I've researched DAOs, but I also researched Pornhub. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, whoever, like my boss wants to snoop right. and say, oh, I'm going to look up Pornhub. It's like, oh, Packy also shares this interest. Like I should definitely talk to him about that. <laughs> yeah. How do you prevent stuff like that from happening? There's actually like a lot of known domain filters for like NSFW domains, basically. Think adblock, but for NSFIO, detecting which domains not to save things from. So we do that already. But then there's like legitimate things that you want index, but maybe you don't want your boss to see. So let's say you're starting to look at job descriptions. Right. That's like a, that's like an issue area. Like, honestly, there's going to be a lot of challenges for us to balance both this like hands-off automatic saving of things, but also being able to like respect the privacy and boundaries of what's the difference between 
what I want to see just for myself and what I want to like have automatically part of the hive mind. And we have a few strategies. You could come up with some rules that are like, hey, only save the things that are from nine to five, like time-based rules. You could say, I want to blacklist certain sites. So don't ever save things that are going to like monster.com, indeed.com, hired.com, whatever it is, right? So you could start to like build your own filters for what doesn't get through. And then, or even things like types, like don't index job posting types. Like we actually recognize that. So like, don't ever get that, let that through. And that should be every individual has their own controls for what gets passed into the high uh, mind. The other things you were thinking is even just like having a, a mode that you can switch into. So most of the time you're in all mode, but then you can switch to save to only personal mode or yeah. don't save at all mode. We want to use as like the, the last fallback stop because that means someone has to take action to do something. Our product philosophy is we want to reduce people needing to be like thoughtful about it all the time. Rather, like we would want to push people towards like trying to have rules that take care of things in most instances rather than having to act one by one very frequently. But it's going to be challenging. <laughs> one of the ways that I was thinking about it is Instead of having a team-based hive mind, and we can talk actually, I think there's an interesting B2B use case for yep. kind of team sharing workspaces that we've talked about before, but for the kind of like single player use case that's enhanced, could you just open that up to like, oh, Packy read this article, we have thousands of users who read this article and also read this article, and it doesn't seem like he's read that one yet, we should surface that. So more anonymized global hive brain versus, or hive yeah. versus team. Def definitely something that would be like, probably like further down. I think one of the things you really want to do is not try to bring things up that feel like suggestions and adding more stuff to people's plate. We really want to feel we're a memory rather than a, hey, like here's more stuff you should read. So it's, it's like a delicate balance, right? If you feel like this is like part of the memory of a group that you actually care about, maybe that's a good idea. But if we're saying like the collective global memory, then we start getting into this loose more suggestive rather than actual memory. Let's say there's a not boring community. We don't, we don't think of those teams, like teams is a use case for this, but like you kind of can hook onto different hive minds and the hive minds could be things like public groups, like the not boring community. And then maybe even some different rules. I might want like tighter controls around the public groups, only share articles to them, things yeah. like that. And that would be interesting, right? There's the team version of it. There's the group's version of it. That's like more public. Honestly, a lot of stuff to figure out. But yeah, the safest one there feels like the only share articles about certain, like, so opt into certain topics, only share articles right. about DAOs or, or whatever else. Right. Versus like, I'd be worried that if I had to filter out things that I didn't want people to see that I'd like miss something that I didn't want them to see. So oh, yeah, totally. all, all fun design challenges that you now have plenty of time, <laughs> money to, to figure out. I guess the other side of that then is, is going deeper into the B2B use case. I know we had talked about this as a team for people who are designing new things together and all of that. Like, is that on the roadmap still? Have you kind of like yeah. found such product market fit with the one use case? How do you think about the B2B side? So when we were talking about the high mind, it's, it's far more in the short term, more of a B2B use case. Right now, our primary users are people like content marketers, writers, researcher, analyst types, and then entrepreneurs. So I would say the first two groups they have teams of people that they work with that they are really excited about having a hive mind because there's teams of people who want to be able to share research more easily with each other. And so that would be like the initial hook into the B2B use case. Our plan is to have 
the beta for that starting like nine months ish out and bring on teams of a hundred, like hundred teams from sourced from our single player users. And they'd be the champions that bring on their teams. And we'd be like beta testing that for another three, six months after there, and then start to push that product too. And the, the hope is the product led, like the kind of single player users by then, let's say five to 10,000 fame users would be the initial seed lanes for growing into teams. There's that makes a lot of sense. Switching gears a little bit into uh, like product building. <laughs> you mentioned that this is a product that like you wanted to build for yourself. What are the upsides of building a product for yourself? And then what are the challenges of building a product that's something that you'd want to use? It feels like almost that thing where like a thousand users are giving you conflicting advice, but in your own head. What is that like building something that is very clearly for personal use? Yeah, I mean, so one of the, the benefits of building for yourself is the specs come easier, the use cases, the testing, to, to get the feel of is the product actually useful because it's you're something you're using on a daily basis, right? So you can imagine what it solves for you. You can actually, as you're using it and t- testing it, have a far better understanding of is it actually solving that need or not, where the problems are, where we need to go and all that stuff. So that feels like a tighter loop that you can iterate on quicker. But the big downside is like, how do you know if something is actually broadly needed rather than just something you need? And there you have to pair your needs with doing a lot of customer discovery to see like, hey, who else is having similar problems? And where are the places where you can help people who have similar problems? And so that honestly took us a long time to be able to get cohorts of people and then realize, oh, wait, like there's these different types of researchers who research things all over long periods of time. And they have this problem of like doing a lot of reading and then not liking the organization piece. And they have similar traits to you as the the product person and the one who's creating the product for themselves. And that way you both have the product and market slowly inching together. That sometimes can feel like you're not sure if what you're building ends up actually solving the needs of a huge market or not. And then you have to take some leaps of faith or even go try to do a broader analysis of the market to figure out if you're on the right track or not. But on the flip side, it's a delicate balance between you know your own intuition based on what you think and what you're going to find out from a thousand different people because... Usually, but when you talk to customers, they're good at describing the problem, but not very good at describing a solution. Yeah. It's like the, the faster horse, obviously, problem, right? They, they want to get somewhere faster, but they're not going to imagine a car. So I think people talk about product market fit as this thing that is either you ca- capture the genie in the bottle right out of the gate, or like it takes seven years and like it's the overnight success story, seven years in the making and blah, blah, blah. You're somewhere in between that, it feels like, where you've worked on finding it. And I think that's where like, the vast majority of the companies actually live. And nobody really talks about the, the process. Yeah. There. What's your journey to product market fit been like now that you feel like you have it a little bit? Well, if you count the fact that I started a different company in a knowledge management space that failed, and that took four years, you could say that I'm more on the side of the, the seven-year journey, right? I would say a lot of the learnings of how to find product market fit faster just came from running a company in a similar space and getting a ton of learnings without that would we have as moved as fast with this company no i don't think so at all so but much of that is probably just process learning 
So the next time I start another company, hopefully I never have to. Just like growth as a leader and a founder, that part of it, that, that part of it helps a lot. And then yeah. the other piece is just some of the specific learnings are, I don't know if this applies to everyone, but I found that having a, a paid only product acts as a really good proxy for actually learning and iterating really quickly. Those are uh, real decisions that most users are making where they decide to start paying you after the end of a trial. And you, you can learn a lot from that. And they're far more willing to give you feedback than what we were doing in my previous company journal, where it was a freemium product. You had tens of thousands of people and we were growing quickly, but you can easily be fooled for a long time because free products, it's, it's, you have to like weed the tea leaves a lot more. So you have to be good at that to like understand if you're really onto something or not. So you have to like really tease apart engagement data and then have to be like really honest with yourself. I'll just admit that I don't think we were good at that and making the, the hard decisions. Setting up a far harder metric from the get-go makes you make the faster, tougher decisions and iterating. And so that, that was honestly has helped a lot. And the other piece is just talking to users more. This is like really banal <laughs> advice. And anytime we're doing like big iterations, we probably spend 10 to 20 hours a week for like a couple of weeks talking to either new users or existing users just to get way more data. If we're releasing a new set of features, we try to either show it as like a, like show it to people just like screen share and get their thoughts on it or even get it out to them like early and see what they think. So we have this like fast iteration cycle around real user feedback. It might be banal and, and whatever, but I can attest to the fact that I mean, like, this is how we met originally was not yeah. any investment conversations with you guys reaching out and saying like, hey, can we walk you through what we're building here and see if it's actually going to be useful to you? So exactly. that is a real thing that you guys do. Yeah, yeah. And like that helps so much. And I think like for years at the other company journal, we just didn't do that as much. And part of that, and again, maybe setting up the product as a paid product for the get-go helps too, is people are far more willing to help what they perceive as a premium product in giving advice rather than what they perceive as a free tool. It's just a perception difference. Yeah, but pushing back on that too, like you did probably get some scale learnings that you've taken into this that you wouldn't have if you had started kind of more free, right? Because that's true. Yeah, yeah. With journal, you got to see across a lot of people and be like, all right, now we know all the things that don't work. So yeah. now we're going to go back and, and build something just more focused. Yeah, totally. Funnily enough, journal wasn't really geared to me as much as a user. But one of the things that I learned a little bit more was that what journal was, was like stuck in this like nether region that's like not actually customizable and power user enough like Rome or Obsidian or Notion, like where you can customize it to like fit exactly what you need. Sort of like in the audio space, let's say you're super into speakers, you buy your own receiver, you buy your own amplifier and you've like set everything up perfectly. That can work. The journal was trying to be like simpler for more average normal people who don't want to do all this stuff, but it wasn't as easy to set up uh, and maintain either. So then we're stuck in this, like, it's not for the power users and it's not really for the people who don't want to think about it, users. And so with Heyday, we need to be more like Sonos. Right? It needs to feel like you just hook it up and it just starts working. And rather than just, oh, it's a little bit better. It's a little bit less work. It's a little bit narrow. It has to be a lot less work. And as long as it is good enough, that's actually much better than slightly better but like still, still a lot of, 
How are you thinking about now that you found this group? How do you think about going and finding more of those people? How do you think about the growth that you said you're going to be focused on over the next year? No, this is an active area of acceleration right now. Uh, so there's a lot of things that we're trying. We're thinking the first thing we're trying is paid, paid ad based acquisition. There's actually like broader versions of this. We've seen a lot of success in small numbers of advertising with Substack and newsletters that are kind of filled with users who are ta our target users. But the world of Substacks that you can do that in is still fairly small. So we're going to exhaust that. And the, the funnel of it is not big enough. We're trying the traditional paid ads acquisition. So we're in the bottom process of trying Facebook ads. We've tried Google search ads and like the cap numbers for that is still a little too high. We're trying to bring that stuff down. Obviously we haven't done this much in the past. So I think we can actually optimize that quite a bit. Yeah. But then there's always like new things to try. Like, can we try influencer marketing? <laughs> I've heard from like four different founders that like TikTok has been a really good place for them to acquire users. And so, you know, I've never used TikTok. So now I feel like a, an old granddad. So now I'm going to like jump in and understand the channel a little bit more. But there's a lot of these places where we could kind of come up with partnerships with some, like smaller influencers where we can draw traffic. From. I, I also was not really on TikTok until this week when I saw Turner and Rebecca <laughs> tweet about the guy who's really good at, at doing competitive Google Maps. That's yeah. doing a podcast with Trung now. He's like taking over the internet. It is. Yeah. I wish I had shit. Like a tech yeah. as good at anything as that guy is at finding locations on the map. Yeah. And I see other folks who are doing Excel, like yep. basically like 10 second Excel teaching lessons, bite-sized. I'm just like, how do you do that? And who's your audience? How are you growing this audience? All of this stuff seems kind of wild to me. But also, but also it means that there's a lot of opportunity because it's a new way to acquire users. Totally. Yeah. Hopefully we've seen maybe the demise of the TikTok financial <laughs> influencer telling people what stocks to buy if they're not doing any, any research. But mm. for a lot of the other stuff, yeah, it just seems like this kind of wide open, I don't know, I, I'm like scared with an addictive personality to spend too much time there. And right. Just, like, the and that algorithm apparently is ridiculously good. So. It's ridiculously good. So yeah. now now I'm sure after having this conversation, it's going to start serving me hate ads. <laughs> well, as soon as we get it in there. If you could just think ahead to kind of the next year, that now you have all this money in the bank. In terms of just like the company building piece or the product or user stuff, what are you just most excited about when you come into work? I, I will, I'll tell you like the mechanics of the fundraise is we've gotten it signed and everything like over a month ago, but then there's the whole post signing a charge sheet diligence and wrapping everything up like legal stuff. And so that was taking up a lot of my time. Probably last week was when I'm able to get back into company building mode full time. And so it's been just awesome to actually come back to the product and start working on. I think the, the biggest challenge we have right now is that I'm less worried about the product iteration risk. I think we're in like a good spot with early product market fit and we have really good ideas. We have good processes for learning more from our users. But the biggest thing that we're trying to figure out is this like growth strategy. And so that's both exciting and scary a little bit because, you know, we've never taken Let's say we're at sort of like a point one. So we're, we went from zero to point one, and now we have to go from zero to point one to one. And that's like something we've never done before. And so it's both exciting, risky, scary. One of the things like I've spent a lot of time on product uh, over the last four or five years across two companies, because that's the most important thing. And suddenly shifting gears to being like, you no, know, growth is the most important thing is, is an interesting shift. One of the things that we're trying to do is hire a chief of staff position uh, so that Sam and I 
have more support in what we think is the most critical piece of company building in the next six months to a year, which is getting the growth engine going. And so freeing ourselves up from a lot of the other minutia of running a company would be one of the things that this chief staff person would help us do. But then also just increase the bandwidth of experiments that we can run in terms of growth. Um, so, you know, hey, we need to go find which influencers we should be talking to. We need to go find which subreddits are great communities for us to start engaging in. Basically, having someone who can go do that legwork and come back with like recommendations is something I'm really excited about. Like bringing in that kind of person just expands our ability to hit this problem even faster. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I guess one of the silver linings of a market like this is there's not going to be a lot of founder time spent wasted on fundraising and there's going to be yeah. a lot of time focused on on building the product and figuring out growth and doing all of the kind of company building things, which I think is ultimately really, really healthy. So Samir, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a fan, <laughs> user, investor, friend, all of those things and, and very pumped for you and excited to see what you do with the fresh capital. Thank you so much, Packy. I've really appreciated all the advice and just the help across the last year or two. So excited to keep going and hopefully someday just be able to in 10 years be able to be like you can actually come back and review this conversation it'll just it'll just pop up in my in my heyday and i'll be like oh my god everything came true yeah <laughs>